Hi, I'm Roman Weisshofer, and I'm co-founder of Darkroom Communications, and you are listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. I am appealing to all of you indie app entrepreneurs who want to try and make a, a living on the app store or certainly in the app world. And, and what I do to help you with this pursuit is I go around the world and I interview uh, just the smartest, the, the best people that we can find who can uh, help us with this endeavor. And I, I've got a real treat for you today because uh, this uh, founder is going to really help you out, uh, especially get paid early. And let me go into his uh, background. It's Nasir Zubari and he is the founder of Billfront Limited. And you can find out by just going to billfront.com. And uh, what you can do with Billfront is that you can actually get paid earlier from the ad networks and app stores. And so you don't have to wait for, you know, for example, Apple's 70 day plus uh, payment cycle. So let's talk to Nasir. Thank you very much, Nasir, for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Paul. And uh, this is a wonderful pursuit. Perhaps you can just summarize uh, what you're doing with Bill, Billfront and how you're helping uh, app entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, although I think you nailed it on the head in your own introduction, it's a very simple proposition. Um, as you say, the app stores and the ad networks tend to have quite prolonged payment cycles. And as we all know, um, getting paid and having cash in the bank allows you to scale up your business, any business, faster, but particularly in the case with app developers, where user acquisition and, 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 and is, is absolutely critical. Having the cash available to you sooner rather than later to be able to invest in your own advertising and user acquisition is, is key to growth. And so what we do is enable that by fronting the money um, that's owed to you from the app stores or ad networks. So you have the cash available to be able to reinvest and, and hopefully get your business really flying. Now, I, I think this is a wonderful endeavor because I have been waiting for, I remember my first payment from Apple just took forever. And, uh, you know, we can trust Apple, I guess, to pay us, but it does take them a long time, given that they are uh, one of the world's richest uh, companies. How do you overcome some of the fear factor, uh, Nasir? Because I can imagine that, you know, for anyone who doesn't know you, it can be a little bit uh, daunting to give the trust into another you know, network like yourself? How, how do you overcome the, the trust factor? Well, as, uh, from our perspective, I think we see it as, as an education program. So uh, we're working now and setting up a series of workshops with TIGA in the UK, um, the Games Association there, as well as the App Developers Alliance in the US and um, IGDA as well. Um, what, we've, what we found generally is that in a lot of cases, you know, the financing, financials are, are complex for everyone, right? It's not just specifically app developers, but, you know, every small business owner is a little fearful of managing their finances. It's probably the number one worry for most businesses. What we can do there is, uh, or what we look to do is to help educate people a little bit on, on number management, you know, and show them how easy it can be and how by doing it effectively, um, it will help you with running your business and, and scaling it. 
properly. Um, and it's, it's little things, you know, so we build a lot of our trust through that by showing how we can help and, and trying to help um, without any, you know, commitment from anyone. Um, but, um, you know, but then hopefully aiming that towards, you know, uh, uh, using our solution to enable them with their cash flow. Um, you know, there's, there's little interesting stories that I can give you. I mean, sometimes when we talk to app developers, you know, we get maybe a slightly egotistical attitude of, you know, we have venture capital money, we, we have plenty of cash, we don't need your solution. And I have to remind these guys, well, your venture capital money is costing you about 40% per annum, and I don't think that your venture capitalists would be very happy with you using that money to prop up your cash flow. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about using the right type of solution for the, at the right time, and, and that's where we can help out. You know, we see it as a consultative sell. Most of our, a lot of our team actually are from the app developer community, um, be it from advertising networks or have worked for app developers themselves. So, you know, we do understand the problems and, and the issues. And as I said, we're there, we're there to try and help and enable the app economy as a whole. Yeah. And I, I'm guessing that what you do is you actually link into these networks so you can see the future cash flow from the likes of the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Uh, and then you can uh, make a an upfront or, or bill front, I guess, payment yeah. uh, to the app developers so that they can then use that cash flow to either acquire new users or uh, to actually go out and have a damn good time <laughs> and uh... exactly i mean the cash is you use it how you want to but um yeah absolutely i mean we hook in and we are able to monitor the um the accrued revenue so that we know exactly how much to pay out um but that's about as complex as it gets uh, aside from signing our contract which we've simplified as well um, you know, it's, it pretty much just works like a machine, really. You get the money into your account on a weekly basis, and then when uh, the App Store or the ad network is due to make the payment to you, uh, instead um, you provide them with our bank account details so the payment comes to us, which covers our funding. Yeah, and let's just talk about that because it, I... Um you know, in the UK, and there's been a lot of press, uh, negative press about the payday loans. And, you know, those guys are making their money by uh, having a very uh, quick payback cycle. But if you breach their, their payback cycle, then there's extortionate uh, interest rates. How do you how do you create a fair uh, payment process where you then, you know, take take money off for the back end? Perhaps you could talk and open that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we've again, we've simplified a process or a, a product that's existed in financial services for many, many years. It's called invoice financing. Um, invoice financing, uh, in many ways, is the best form of is the form of financing that any small business should use for um, bridging cash flow issues. Right. The problem is, is that the banks have traditionally made it extremely complex and created a bad name um, within for this product. And as such, most small businesses tend to turn first to products which are inappropriate, like loans and overdrafts, and invoice finance tends to go on the back burner. So the product is, is a well-established product. Um, the way we've implemented it is just to take away all the, the nonsense that you know comes with a typical bank relationship around this. Um, we just put in place a straightforward um, fee, 
for the service and we feel is very highly competitive for, for what we're offering and that works what we do is basically take a 2.5 percent um, discount on the face value of the invoice so if we're due to pay you I don't know 10,000 uh, 10,000 pounds um, you know what we do is um, we pay you 9,750 and the 250 goes towards our processing now if you annualize that I mean let's look at um, um, Apple, as you said, they take about 70 odd days to pay out. Um, that works out to less than 15% interest, um, which is pretty damn good, especially if you wanted to make the comparison to a payday lender where they're charging you several thousands, right? Yeah. And, and actually, the, the crippling thing about Apple is they still charge 30% uh, for the, the sale in the first place, which is the cost of uh, being on their platform. Absolutely, but what we've actually done, as I said, part of what we do is the education process. So we've got a lot of great data um, to really show um, uh, app developers how by getting this money in faster on a weekly basis and reinvesting it, say, purely in user acquisition via various advertising networks, that the compounding effect, even with this small fee of 2.5%, that after about two months, they're probably going to be doubling the amount of revenue they're generating by being able to get this access to this cash faster and reinvesting it in user acquisition faster than waiting, say, for Apple or Google to pay out and then putting the money into UA. Yeah. It, you know, Nasir, I have to think back to all the different episodes I've had over this 270 plus series of podcasts. And the big theme to come out is problem solving. And you, you have taken a, a real problem in the market, which is the problem of not getting paid up front or getting paid quickly enough. And you've solved that. Uh, how how did you actually make that a reality? Because it seems like a very complex problem to solve. Did you have to... Uh, did you have to go get funding for it, for example, or did you have um, a, a co-founder that you're working with to get this thing? How, how, tell us how you actually got this thing off the ground. Ooh, um, well, I've had some experience within factoring before. I, I'd set up a peer-to-peer -peer factoring company, uh, invoice finance company in 2011. Um, but again, there I found that just that the, the, the associations people had with this kind of product made it quite difficult to sort of get, get major traction. And I luckily was able to sell the technology, not the business, but the technology to a third party. And so I exited with some comfort level as opposed to just losing out entirely. Um, over the years, I've, I'm, I myself personally have been very much involved and I would like to think at the forefront of what's now becoming a bit of a revolution in financial technology. Um, you know, I see that, um, that financial services, that banks but specifically on the whole are not really doing the right things for us as consumers or our businesses. And I've set about wanting to change that and have been working on that for five or six years now. Um, I, you know, the, what, what I, what's happened over the past five or six months is that I've become a partner in a firm called uh, Finleap, based here in Berlin. Uh, Finleap is something which is a little bit like a, well, here in Germany they're called incubators, but I think a better way of putting it is a company builder. Um, where we nurture and set up startups ourselves based upon our ideas and, and our approach to, to building businesses. And uh, Finleap is specifically focused on financial technology. 
technology and is born out of a, another very successful incubator called Hitfox. And Hitfox, uh, some of your app developers may know because it, its entire business, all the businesses it runs are based on advertising, mobile advertising. So the biggest of the lot is a company called AppLift. Um, so we have, you know, the exposure to this advertising world and I think my personal philosophy when building a business is always to look at synergies, what can we leverage, you know, what do we know and how can we best leverage it to extract um, uh, new ideas. And, and I got to sort of understanding the, the ad world and I, personally I'd never sort of had any exposure to it before at all. And the more I learned about it, the more I could see the overlaps with financial services, not just in the business model itself, but in how we could use some of the financial services and products that I, I, I know well to be able to improve the, as I said, the app economy as a whole and, and, and help it to grow even faster than it's already growing. Um, so it was a combination of factors, as I said, my own background, um, the desire to, to do new things, and then the opportunities that presented themselves by, you know, coming into contact and learning a lot about the, the mobile app uh, development space and the advertising space. Nasir, thank you very much for sharing that, because often, uh, you know, we we hear these stories and we, we don't actually see the the true background to you know your history and, and and the fact is that you've been leveraging all these things that you've been doing in the past to bring you to the point of being able to launch Billfront and uh, I often feel like you know when you read the press we, we miss all that we just see the big hits and uh, how important is it to to have an experience and to, to, to build slowly on your you know credibility and your um, your ability to start companies well I mean that's an interesting point that you made about we only ever hear about what, what we now call unicorns, right? Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is very straightforward. Nine out of ten businesses fail, right? It's great that we have you know, so much energy these days in, across the world in, in people wanting to be entrepreneurs and startups, but it's a very risky occupation. Um, the way I found through through my experience of being able to minimize some of that risk is number one, focus on things that you already do know quite well um, and focus on solving real problems. I think often enough, I mean, I do a lot of mentoring for startups as a whole. Um, I do, uh, I, I've done, um, I've been a tutor on a, start, on a program for small businesses called the Goldman Sachs uh, 10,000 Small Businesses Program. And I, I like to help the, the whole sort of startup ecosystem generally. Um, because it's so exciting. And um, what I found is is that far too many businesses are sort of tech first as opposed to tech thinking. Um, they get excited by some logical opportunity that they come across and they think, let's build that and the customers will come, we'll put up our arms and suddenly people will start buying our products. And, and that's just unfortunately not the way things work. I mean, from our perspective and, and specifically mine, it's about talking to customers from the beginning. You know, the, I mean, with Billfront, I mean, I remember sitting in a meeting here with, the, with my other partners where we discussed the idea and said, this looks interesting, let's go ahead and do it. And walked out of the room and within five minutes picked up the phone to uh, an app developer and basically tried to sell the product to him. Now, obviously, we didn't have anything at the time, but it was mainly about sort of learning 
um, whether the proposition was right and getting feedback on it. And what you tend to find is that the customer at that point will say, that sounds interesting, but... And then we work on it and work on it and refine the proposition until we get rid of the buts, right? <laughs> I love that. That is just such, it makes so much sense just listening to you. But I guarantee that 90% of people kind of miss that out. They put every effort into the minimum viable product or the, the technology or how can we create this without speaking to a single customer. And it's just so nice and refreshing to hear you, you know, remind us that it's vitally important to to actually speak with uh, these people that are, are going to be buying our products and services. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I said, a lot of people in, when I was in London, I was quite ingrained within the, the tech community there. And, you know, I'd often, very often get approached at events and people would be pitching me their ideas. And, you know, the first question I'd almost ask, I'd say to them, would be, well, I'd say to them, you know, that sounds interesting. Who are your first 10 customers? And they'll say, most of the time they say, we don't know. And that's really quite worrying. You know, if you started building something and, 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 and you're already at a, and to getting towards an MVP, um, you know, why haven't you talked to a customer yet? Why don't you know who's going to be the first 10 people that are going to buy this product? And I think that's almost the acid test that every young business should ask themselves is, I mean, to me, it always starts and ends with the customer. You've got to really get who they are. And the only way to do that is to talk to them. Because, you know, unfortunately, people buying decisions are not determined by logic. We are irrational human beings. Our buying decisions are determined by our habits and behaviors and incentives around us. Um, and really understanding those habits and behaviors um, will make or break companies. You know? um, so, so Nasir, I have to say that before we say goodbye, there's two things that we often do. One is to try and flesh out an idea that the community, the Abster tribe listening to this can perhaps go and think about. And I'm wondering if in the world of fintech, which is what we've heard is is a very ripe for disruption kind of industry, have you, apart from obviously Billfront, have you had any more thoughts on other areas where banks are letting us down and there is a potential for disrupting a market? Oh my gosh, I could talk for days on that. You, you feel free to talk for two minutes. <laughs> Just Condense it down. Here's a, here's a very simple one, right? Um, Nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to buy a mortgage, do they? They want to buy a house, but the pain point of buying a house is to apply and, and get a mortgage. Why is that? The mortgage is an enabler. It should be almost invisible. It should just kind of happen. You know what I mean? It's the same with loans. You know, banks advertise loans on the television. You know, look at this great interest rate. Come and buy our product. A loan is not a product. Nobody wants a loan. People want to buy something, and the loan facilitates that product, that purchase, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things around the way products and services are positioned within financial services that could be disrupted. Um, insurance, um, it's a completely archaic model. Um, credit on the whole, I mean, lending is a big problem and the way that banks assess lending and provide loans is rooted, you know, 20 years ago. Same with payments, you know, making international transfers, um, which is an area where there's been a lot of focus recently. Um, you know, sending money abroad, be it a business paying for something or you sending money for whatever reason individually. I mean, how in this day and age can you not be told specifically, even down to the minute, I would argue, when that money will arrive in the bank account on the other side? 
right? Yeah. The best you can, best a bank can do, or best anyone can do, actually, unfortunately, because the banks underpin the entire network, no matter if you're a startup or not, the best a bank can do is tell you it will arrive within one to two days, or three to four days. I mean, how obscure is that in this world of technology today? I mean, it's insane, right? Let's see, uh, how on earth do you focus? Because even just talking to you for two minutes, I mean, it's just, you're ripe with ideas. It must be really hard to just pick one uh, and run with it. You must, no wonder you're working with, um, you know, startups and in incubators. I mean, it's just, there's so much that, that you could be doing. Uh, thank you so much, Paul. I mean, but that's the eventual goal. We've launched... We launched FinLeap to the world in December last year. Since then, we've launched three startups within financial technology. We have another seven or eight in the pipeline for this year. We've gone from 30 people in December to 120 today. Um, so the opportunities are there and they're for the picking and hopefully one by one, we'll start knocking them off. Wonderful. Well, I mean, as a... A really inspiring entrepreneur, we have to ask you what's on your phone. How are you getting through the day in the most productive way? Maybe you could just give us one or two apps that you use uh, in your business or even if you want your personal life that you feel that we haven't come across before. Uh, any any good finds? Well, that's the thing. I think my apps generally tend to be quite boring. It's about information and connectivity and, and, and promotion. So I think, you know, aside from standard email, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook to some degree, um, BuzzFeed for extracting information, uh, love the aggregation news, but nothing hugely exciting. The, the, the most important thing to me on a daily basis, unfortunately, is my calendar, <laughs> you know, and keeping up to date with all the meetings and, and calls that I have to make. As I said, our, we've, our traction has been quite, you know, su well, surprisingly pleasant since we launched uh, a couple of months ago. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of interest and we've signed up a lot of clients with Billfront specifically. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's very busy in a good way. And, and the calendar is absolutely invaluable at the moment. Yeah, actually, just on that, because uh, this is the one thing we all share in common is that the, the same amount of time in a day if we're doing this full time. And over the last two months, you've been launching. What's really worked f for you? What type of like press or what type of um, mentions, announcements or social media that you could point to that's, that's really worked in your launch? Um, I think with this particular community, it's, it's more of a word of mouth and the credibility is built by associations with big associations and with other sort of key names within the market. So um, the, the financing and, and, and the fronting of, of, of our um, of receivables or, or the, the money for certain ad networks, you know, which have a good reputation, um, obviously helps. Um, in terms of press specifically, um, you know, it's, it's still unfortunately true that nothing really gets you as much attention as being featured in TechCrunch, you know. TechCrunch is, you know, the, the spike you get on your website hits when you get a feature in TechCrunch is absolutely unbelievable, right? Um, it's still, I think, a central point of focus for just about anyone within the, within the tech startup scene. Yeah, and it's just, it's so hard. I've got so many app entrepreneurs who speak to me about just trying to even get a reply from anyone from TechCrunch. And it's, it's it can be quite heartbreaking where you've spent two years trying to launch a product and then you, you just can't even get TechCrunch to, to give you any time. Any tips on how to to get their attention? 
Um, go through a VC quite often. You <laughs> have <laughs> <laughs> been speaking to a venture capital firm. Um, uh, you know, there, there's a mutual value in terms of the relationship that the VCs have with TechCrunch. So the VCs often have a little bit more influence in terms of getting things into TechCrunch. That very valuable advice. Nasir, this has been so inspirational. I am thrilled to have gone through the journey with Billfront. How best can we reach out and connect with you? What's the best way of getting in touch? Um, just email me. I mean, uh, my email address is nasa at Billfront. Um, I'm happy to speak with anyone. As I said, it's, I'm happy to help people with their financials um, and try and explain how we can add value and talk them through how they can grow their business by using our service. Great. So it, again, to the audience, just go to theappguy.co and search our episode 274 uh, with Nasa Zubari and you'll see uh, it links to... Uh, the email there and also to uh, to the website. Uh, is, uh, do you feel like we've touched on everything, Nasir, about Billfront? Do you feel like we've missed anything or do you feel like we covered pretty much what you were hoping to? Um, I, I, I'm happy as long as you're happy. It's more about your audience than what I think we should be talking about. <laughs> I must say, you know, if anyone is listening to this, you've given them a big laundry list of uh, in, you know potential fintech uh, disruptive ideas uh, so that's been fascinating thanks very much for joining us on the app guy podcast Nasir, and all the best with uh, you know dominating the world of finance in the future my pleasure paul thank you very much for having me